Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted, a podcast where I, your host, shares my journey as a teenage girl who suffered from severe depression and anxiety before receiving intensive treatment. I talk from my experience and ask others what they felt like at their lowest points. I interview my family, friends, and therapists to try and give a full picture of what suffering really looks like and how you can help. And if you yourself are struggling, learn new skills, gain support, and know you're not alone, so keep persisting. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Nevertheless She Persisted. Today I'm joined by my younger sister, Ruby. Hi. Just a quick disclaimer, this episode uses research and concepts devised by Marsha M. Linehan, Jill H. Rathis, and Alec L. Miller. To see full credentials and sources, see this week's episode notes. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to give a summarized overview of DBT. We're going to cover the core beliefs of DBT and two key skills, validation and behavioral change. What is DBT and who is DBT designed for? DBT is a program developed by Marsha L. Linehan for adults with borderline personality disorder. The treatment I developed, dialectical behavior therapy, or DBT for short, actually has its focus as building lives worth living. We're not a suicide prevention program. We're a life worth living program. It has been adapted and is now commonly used for teen depression and anxiety. I received intensive dialectical behavioral therapy treatment in Boston at 3 East McLean Hospital, one of the leading programs in the world. I've received dialectical behavioral therapy education over five or six times all the way through now so I've heard the whole course many 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 times um so I'd like to think I'm a little bit qualified at being able to teach these skills and make sure that other people can use them to live their best lives um so like I mentioned dialectical behavioral therapy is an intensive treatment approach which includes meeting with an individual and family therapist, attending group therapy and educational sessions, working with a team of DBT-trained professionals, um, and essentially psychotherapy. Nevertheless, She Persisted doesn't offer this. I only hope that using the skills will help people struggling and those wanting to be more effective in their lives. Four of the principles we'll talk about today are validation, the biosocial theory, behavior change, and dialectics. The major goals of DBT are decreasing low awareness and focus, decreasing your lack of understanding, decreasing emotional dysregulation, impulsivity, interpersonal problems, and teen family challenges. So all of these correspond to a scale. Um, lack of focus, awareness, and self-understanding correspond to mindfulness. Emotion dysregulation logically reflects emotional regulation. Um, impulsivity reflects distress tolerance, interpersonal issues to to interpersonal effectiveness, and family challenges to walking the middle path. Walking the middle path is a special skill which is only used in teen DBT. It's not actually used in adult DBT because often those patients are not living in their family lives anymore. Are you interested in making your own podcast too? Download Anchor. I released every episode of Nevertheless She Persisted through Anchor and I love it. It's free, you can edit and publish your episodes from anywhere, and they put my podcast on every listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. I definitely recommend it. They also have cool background musics, transition musics, and you can record sponsorships like this one. Be sure to check it out. It has everything you need for your podcast. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or wherever you get your apps or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's anchor.fm. Oh, 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 oh,
So before any like attempting any of the skills or talking more today about what DBT means, it's really helpful to think about what behaviors you want to decrease and what you want to see more of. Okay, um, what did you want to decrease when you did DBT? So, um, when I went through DBT, um, when I first got to Boston, what I wrote down on my worksheets was that I wanted to decrease my um, obsessive thoughts um, and compulsions. I wanted to decrease my conflict that I was having with my parents and my siblings. I didn't want to feel depressed anymore. I didn't want to feel so hopeless. I wanted to stop eating so dysregularly, and I wanted to stop isolating. Um, so what I hope to see more of was mindfulness and family relationships. Um, I, w- I just really, really, really wanted to be happy. I wanted to have positive experiences in my life, which I hadn't felt in so long. I wanted to eat balanced. I wanted to exercise in a healthy way and have friendships that I felt really fulfilled me. Um, Ruby, um, thinking about what you want to decrease, um, what comes to mind? In terms of DBT skills? Well, in my opinion, you can apply DBT skills to anything. So if you're looking at your life right now, you take a step back. What things would you want to change? What would you want to decrease? Probably my, like, I would probably want to decrease my lack of attention span. (laughs) Okay. So, like, work on, like, staying focused for longer periods of time and not getting distracted. Is there anything else? Um... Like, decreasing the amount of arguments I get into with my siblings. Okay. Yeah. What would you want to increase? Um, I would probably want to increase the... Can I, like, rephrase what I just yeah. said to make it increase? Of course. Okay. Um, and to well, kind of, it's kind of both questions. Oh, okay. Two separate ones. So, I would want to increase um, the amount of healthy relationships that I have with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount that I'm socially communicating to people in person rather than over the internet yeah and online that's those are great goals and definitely things that you can work on through dbt skills um listeners now is a really good time if you really want to work on this dbt journey if you want to learn the skills and fully apply them in your life to write down this on a post-it note on a sticky note just the three or four things you want to decrease and the three or four things you want to increase because coming back and looking at this or listening to this a year from now or two weeks from now or six months from now it's really interesting to see how either those goals have shifted or how you met them looking back at my goals of decreasing conflict with family I've done that decreasing my depression I haven't felt truly depressed consistently in a a really really long time um I wanted more happiness and positive experiences and I feel like that's what my life is really full of at this point I feel like Of course, I'm going to keep working on those and gaining those and accumulating them, but I feel like I'm there, I'm living it, and I've worked for that and I've achieved those goals. Um, So, taking a minute to write down what goals, what do you want to increase, what do you want to decrease, and we'll talk about how you can get to those. So, we're going to start a little, our little DBT education by talking about what dialectics are. So, what is a dialectic? So, dialectics essentially state that everything can be approached on a continuum. An example of this is accepting your current situation, 
and also working to change it. You can accept that you're feeling depressed. You can accept that you're feeling anxiety. Concept, accept that you're unhappy. And you can also change that. You can go against your urges to stay in bed. You can go against your urges to isolate, to work towards that happiness and um, feelings of fulfillment. Um, another example is that in any situation, two people will view an interaction completely differently. All of our minds work differently. We all have different sensory inputs. Um, so no two people will view the same interaction the same way, but dialectics believe that both can be true at the same time. Both people's beliefs, both people's thoughts, they're both valid and they're both true. It's their version of the truth. So a couple more examples are when you're surrounded by people in a social situation, you can also feel really isolated and lonely. I know that this happened for me for a really long time. I would be sitting in a group with friends or people or people that I thought I should get along with or that I used to get along with. I would just feel so, so alone or so unhappy or like I wasn't understood. And that was really, really hard. But both those things can be true at the same time. Just because you're surrounded by people, you don't have to be happy and fulfilled. You can feel isolated and lonely. Um, so the way that you kind of approach a dialectic is thinking about both sides of things. Um, understanding the impacts of your actions, um, um, acknowledging and embracing changes that you can make, and remembering that your environmental affects you just as you affect it. So the idea really is that, and just those ideas are what really play behind dialectics and are what allow those two opposite sides of the continuum to be true. So Next, we're going to talk a little bit about the biosocial theory. Um, and basically, it states that the intensity of emotions and the actions that come about out of it are because of two factors. So part of it's just you're biologically pre-designated to act certain ways. And the other part is that the social environment that you grow up in and that you're living in also affects you. So it's the age-old idea of nature versus nurture. And the biosocial theory says that both can equally affect your emotional experience. You might naturally feel your emotions really intensely, like me. I, When I'm sad, I'm really, really sad. When I'm anxious, I'm really anxious. My thoughts go extreme really quickly. So that could be part of it. And the other part is maybe is the social environment. Maybe you only experience validation and love when you're breaking down, or you only experience that feeling of understanding from someone else when you're having really extreme emotions. So you've come to understand that in order to get that connection and that fulfillment, you have to feel your strong emotions. So the combination of you feeling strong emotions and being told that that's effective results in your emotional dysregulation. So that's the biosocial theory. Um, and that emotional dysregulation that I just described is super common. A lot of people experience it. I'm definitely one that has experienced it a lot before. Ruby, is that something that you think you've experienced? Definitely not as much as like I've seen you experiencing it in, in the past, but I have. To, but yes, I think as a human, a natural human being, I have like experienced emotional dysregulation before. Do you have questions you want answered about therapy, depression, or anxiety? Email sadiesutton.nsp at gmail.com or reach out via direct messages on any of the Nevertheless You Persisted social media accounts linked in today's episode notes. You can also leave a voice message on Anchor. I would love to hear from you. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So what is validation? Or actually, okay, so next we're gonna talk about validating. What is validation? So there's five steps to validation. Um, the first is communicating your understanding. Um, there are five, there's five components. You want to communicate your understanding of the other person's situation. You want to legitimize facts. So you want to understand the objective things like you arrived at 9 a.m. Um, so for communicating your understanding, I understand, it, I understand that this morning you were really stressed that you were going to be late. Legitimize the facts. I know that you got here at 9 o'clock instead of 8.30 when school started. Um, third is you're going to explain in feelings and express emotions um, from your perspective. So I understand that you were feeling a lot of stress this morning. Um, uh, you got here at 9 o'clock instead of 8.30 and it feels like you don't respect school or prioritize it. Well, that's not really a feeling. So that's kind of what you want to veer away from. So starting again, I um, understand that you were really stressed and overwhelmed this morning um, getting ready and getting ready to leave the house. You got here at 9 o'clock instead of 8.30 and it makes me really disappointed that you weren't here on time. Um, next, you want to acknowledge the situation and how another person um, potentially felt, which is kind of similar to one, um, but one is a little bit more objective. So, and then fifth is respect others, the relationships, and your self-respect. So one, communicate. Um, I understand that you were late this morning and you said that you were really stressed. Two, you got here at nine o'clock instead of 8.30 when school started. Three, um, it's really disappointing to me that you weren't able to make it on time given that we'd agreed to be at school at 8.30. Um, I understand how stressed and overwhelmed you were this morning because you accidentally slept in um, and missed your alarm. Um, because you were up late studying for that test. Um, and fifth, say we're prioritizing the self-respect. And um, I, we agreed on this time to meet together and it's really disappointing that I got up and got to school early to meet with you and you didn't show up. Um, so when you're validating, you don't have to agree. You're just saying you understand. You're using emotions. Um, so when you validate, you, you don't have to agree with what the person's saying. You don't have to agree that it's okay that they missed your meeting. You don't have to agree that they were right to yell at you because you disagree about um, something about politics. You don't have to agree. You're just saying you understand. So validation can be used for someone's emotional experiences, their beliefs, um, what they want, their urges, what their values are, and challenges are... Um, facing. So you want to think about what verbals they're expressing to you, what they're telling you, and what non-verbals they might be communicating. Are they looking sad? Are they, do they look guilty about something? Um, do they look really excited about something? Do they want you to validate that they have this new thing they've worked really hard on? Um, and you also want to keep in mind timing. Um, say someone is I don't know, having a conversation with someone else. Maybe it's not the best time to validate them. Like, 
hey, I really um, just want to validate you about how sad you were that your boyfriend dumped you. Like, that's probably not the best time to use that validation. So those are things you want to um, keep in mind. Ruby, do you have a situation that happened recently, um, just an interaction between two people? Like, maybe a little bit of conflict, a little bit of stress? Um, in terms of, like, what should happen in this? Just give, like, have you, what about Atticus this morning? I wasn't here this morning. Yesterday morning. Oh, so I got up early and I share a room and there was some conflict about... You share a room with your younger brother. My my younger... I share a room... Okay, so I got up and I share a room with my younger brother um, and we share the bathroom as well and we have previously talked about allotting different time periods per person and it's kind of been a little bit confusing so there was a little bit of confusion and conflict about what time he had in the bathroom and what time I had just Mm -hmm. so that we could each get ready and be at school on time so being like really specific what what was the confrontation what did he say to you he told me that he just needed to grab one thing from the bathroom and then I was like but it's my time, and then that started a little bit of conflict. So it was... When you say a little bit of conflict, so Atticus said, "Um, I just need to get something from the bathroom, and you said, no, it's my time. What did he say next? And then he said, okay, but this is only going to take two seconds. And I said, okay, but it's not going to take two seconds. It'll probably take more than that. So then it all basically ended up happening because of just a miscommunication. So when you say it all, we're going to, sorry, we're going into so much detail, but we're mm-hmm. just really breaking this down so that we can use the scale. So it all happened. What happened? Um, the miscommunication and the art, the argument and conflict between us. So you're both upset, both got heated. So going back, um, Atticus said, I really need to use the bathroom and I just need to use it really quickly. Say we wanted to use validation there. Um, because validation can help you um, improve your relationships. If you validate someone, maybe next time you need a favor. Mm-hmm. Because you have that emotional connection, they'll be more willing. Um, so say next time you might need to get something in the bathroom when Atticus is in there. This could help you with that. So mm-hmm. Atticus says, I just need to get something from the bathroom. It's only going to take two minutes. Um, if you were going to communicate your understanding of the situation, what would you, what would you say? I would say... Atticus, I completely understand that you need to grab something from the bathroom. This has happened to me before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, or I would say, I see how that can be very frustrating for you. Just well, because just the understanding, like just your understanding about the situation, which is that he needs to get something from the bathroom. I would say, I completely understand that you need to grab something from the bathroom and that it'll only take a little bit of time. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so now the facts which is that it was your designated time in the bathroom mm-hmm. um, and he wanted to go in. So you're gonna, you could say, hey, I totally understand that you need to get something and you're saying it's only gonna take two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, we agreed that this was my time in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So it was the facts and your understanding. If you wanted to like express your emotions, um, what, what would you say? I would say, like building on to what you had pre- you just said, mm-hmm. I would say, Atticus, I totally see how this is making you frustrated because I'm not allowing you to use the bathroom during your time. Mm-hmm. But it's also making me feel a little bit frustrated just because I'm now left 
But if you're just focusing on, like, your experience instead of focusing on what he was feeling. So you say, hey, um, I understand that you need to grab something from the bathroom and it's only going to take two seconds. And um, we agreed this was my time. And I would say, and if I don't have the time in the bathroom, then I would end up being late to school. And that makes you. And that makes me a little bit frustrated because then. And so if you're frustrated, um, the concept of anger is that, sorry, this is like super in depth. We're just trying to like explain it fully. Mm -hmm. So if anger is a secondary emotion, that means it's covering something else. Are you, do you feel embarrassed when you come to class late? Do you feel guilty for interrupting your teachers and not respecting them? Do you feel, is it, do do any of those um, fit? Yeah, I probably feel a little bit embarrassed just because, Mm -hmm. like, walking into class late, especially when normally at school we start with, like, the whole grade in one room. You have to walk into, what, like, 60 people? Like, 85. (laughs) 85 people after they've all are sitting in this meeting. Yeah. So, you say, hey, Atticus, um, I am trying to get ready, and I don't want to be late because I get really embarrassed when I have to walk in in front of 85 people. Mm -hmm. Um when I'm late um and that's really that's really scary yeah um so putting together our first three steps we're 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 more than halfway there hey um Atticus Mm. I understand that you just want two seconds to go ahead and grab something from the bathroom um we agreed that this was my time to be in the bathroom um and I'm just trying to get ready because I want to avoid the fear and embarrassment that comes with being late at school Mm -hmm. Um, if you were going to acknowledge his experience and his emotions, what could you say? If you're, like, putting yourself in Atticus's head, you're going into f- fourth grade, mm-hmm. and you're rushing around in the morning, your mom's asking you to do your things before school, you're going to, you leave pretty early in the morning, you haven't eaten your breakfast yet, um, you probably got told to go brush your teeth because you forgot, you're putting yourself in Atticus's head, what do you think he could be feeling that caused him to just want to go in during your time in the bathroom? Um, I would probably be feeling a little bit stressed out and like behind being stressed out, I would probably feel like nervous that I would not be able to make it Mm -hmm. to school in time. So it's kind of like the same issue that I would be having in a way, Yeah. just because I can see how that would be hard for him. And I know he does carpool. Mm -hmm. So maybe showing up to his friend's house late makes him feel embarrassed. And thinking about like the other factors, he's been having some conflict with his friends recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's already tension with his carpool buddies. So not only is he like, probably nervous to see them and scared that he'll be late but mm-hmm. maybe they'll think even worse of him and talk to his other friends about yeah. him being late in the morning mm-hmm. so what could you say to him putting all your steps together so far which is the time or he needed two seconds you were in the bathroom you're worried about being scared and his emotional experience what would you say thus far in your little validation spiel all that together yeah I would start by saying, Atticus, I understand that you need to be at school at a certain time, and it. we did agree that it is my time in the bathroom mm-hmm. right now during this period of 15 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I am feeling nervous that I will make it late to school, which makes me feel very embarrassed and nervous because then I have to walk in in front of 85 people mm-hmm. by myself while they're all talking. But I can also see how you would be frustrated and nervous because then if you're late to school, you have been, you know, having maybe a little bit of friendship conflict 
conflict, which is very normal. But then... And the other thing about that, though, like, if he's already in a defensive mood, like, we can think that about that as one of his vulnerability factors. Uh-huh. He's going to be more emotional because of that. But we know he's pretty sensitive about that kind of thing, so we don't want to mention it. But you could say, hey, I know that mom's putting a lot of pressure on you to get in the car right now and that you're probably feeling really overwhelmed about getting everything done before you have to go to carpool. Mm -hmm. So if you said, hey, like, I understand you only need two seconds to be in the bathroom and that it's my 15 minutes. I'm really worried that I won't be able to get to school on time and that I'll have to walk in front of 85 people and it'll be super embarrassing. I also understanding how stressed you are right now because mom really wants you in the car and to get everything ready and you're running late. Mm -hmm. Um, So the last step is respecting either um, your relationship, yourself, or getting your objective. Going into this situation, do you want to keep your time in the bathroom and have him just go after? Do you want to maintain your ground and have him respect that it's your time in the bathroom? Or would you like to prioritize the relationship and say, hey, because I understand what you're going through, I'm okay with you coming in. What's your goal? Your self-respect, your relationship, or your objective? In the moment, I was probably into my self-respect and my objective. Um, objective, mm-hmm. Because in the moment, sometimes for me, it's kind of hard to sympathize for, for other yeah. people and understand how they're feeling, which then results in me being like, hey, it's my time. Yeah, I, I can't see why I think that's a great example you'd... because you don't have to agree when you validate. You can mm-hmm. completely disagree and still understand. So you want to prioritize your objective, which is you getting ready yeah. and him respecting that. So if I were to be in this situation, I would say, hey, Atticus, I totally understand that you only need two seconds to be in the bathroom. And we also did agree that it was my time to be in the bathroom um, right now from 7.45 to 8. Um, I am really worried that I'm going to be late for school and I just don't want to go through the embarrassment of walking in front of 85 people in a meeting. Um, and I also understand how stressed you are right now because mom wants you in the car and you're running around and that's, that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, it is my time in the bathroom and we did agree on that. So, um, I'm hoping that you can respect that. So yeah. that's your assertion that you, you're going to say no for now. And mm-hmm. so you validated experience. You understand yes. that he's stressed and that he wants to subject it, but you don't have to agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how you would use that validation skill. And you can also use this for yourself. So, um, just, I'm personally wondering when would you use the validation skill? When would you use self-validation? Oh, um, just because I'm personally wondering. When would you use... Wait, no. I sound like a grandma. <laughs> when would you use self-validation? So, um, self-invalidation is when you aren't letting yourself understand that the emotions you're feeling and your actions are valid. And that... So, with our situation with Atticus, which is that we were saying that him coming to the bathroom was not okay, was what you were thinking in the moment. Mm -hmm. With yourself, you're saying that it's not okay that I... It's not okay that I was late. It's not okay that I showed up to work late today. For self-validation, you would say... um, You would think about your thoughts and your feelings. Maybe your feelings, you're really, really stressed. You're really anxious because you've been running around all morning 
and you couldn't find your backpack and you mm-hmm. couldn't find your homework so you've just been really stressed and overwhelmed and you're worried about this test you have coming up so it's all a lot so you you're mindful of that you think about all the thoughts going through your head of everyone looking at you and you come in late and you're not going to judge them you're going to say I shouldn't be anxious about this test. I studied. You're not going to say no one else is anxious about this test. Everyone else said it was easy. There's no judgments. You're just, I'm having these thoughts. Let them go. We're going to let them pass through my head. Um, And you're going to feel those emotions of like the anxiety of the test and the stress of being late. You're not going to push it down because if you bottle things up, they're all going to explode at some point. Mm -hmm. Sit with it and you're going to say, okay, I am really, I feel really bad and I'm really upset that I was late this morning mm-hmm. and you're just gonna sit with that and you're gonna you have that value of being on time you have that value of respecting others so you're gonna you're gonna remember that you're gonna stay true to that and you're gonna you're gonna do practice some radical acceptance um and we're gonna get into all these skills in later episodes in more detail so when you hear like these terms like radical acceptance or um fully experiencing your emotions um or wise minds like we're gonna go into all of these things in future episodes so don't even worry um but your radical acceptance you're saying i was late and i can't change that i understand that and i'm feeling this guilt and i'm anxious and it goes against my values of being on time and respecting others and you just accept all of that and you can you can want things to be differently you can wish you were on time that morning or you got up earlier but you're accepting that it happened and that there's nothing you can do to change it at this point um so you're you're taking your thoughts and emotions seriously you're letting them be real and you're telling yourself that it's okay that this happened even if you don't want to agree with it and you don't have to agree with it Mm -hmm. okay well say that you're feeling a lot of anxiety or you're depressed a lot of the time how would you like change that so with dbt to change behaviors there's two different things you can do there's um positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Ruby, you've probably heard mom say this a lot because she did the whole DBT training. Mm -hmm. She tries to use these with us. So a positive reinforcement is either a positive consequence or um, a positive reward. A negative reinforcement is the absence of a negative event or a feeling of relief. So positive consequence is, and the, the word consequence doesn't, there's like a very negative consequence, like connotation with consequence, like, um, you're late 17 times, you get fired. It's a consequence, but maybe it's you get up early, so you get to go get your favorite coffee at the mm-hmm. coffee shop. Or you get up early, so you have time to make your favorite smoothie. That's a consequence because it's one thing resulting in another. Or it's a reward, which is similar, which is that um, um, you... You did well on your test, so you go and buy yourself your favorite piece of candy, or you go and sit outside for 10 minutes with your dog. You're giving yourself something unrelated and associating with that event. So a positive consequence is directly related to something, a reward is unrelated, but you're tying it to that. Negative reinforcement is absence of a negative event. The best two examples, one is like a seatbelt. So you get in the car, turn on the car, your seatbelt starts going crazy. It goes beep, 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 until you put it on. It's negatively reinforcing you. Um, and that's what I was like, not consequence, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. So the absence of a negative um, event. Um, so you get in the car, you don't buck your seatbelt, it goes beep, 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 beep. It's annoying you, it's in your head, it's telling you to do it, and as soon as you put the seatbelt on, it stops. And that absence is reinforcing. Mm-hmm. So you have to pee. 
all you can think about is that you have to pee, your bladder is telling you, you have to pee, your brain is telling you, you can feel it as soon as you pee, it's gone. There's an absence of the negative event, which is why it changes the behavior and it forces you to go to the bathroom or put your seatbelt on. Um, and you get that experience of relief. So if you want to increase the behavior or an occurrence, use a positive consequence or a positive reinforcement um, or remove something negative. So maybe we kind of mentioned this one, but maybe you treat yourself to your favorite coffee um, or maybe you sleep in instead of waking up early to introduce a positive reinforcement because you finished your work assignment on time. And if you want to decrease the behavior, you take away a reward or you add a consequence. So say you forget to do your homework, which is due in two days. Um, you take away your chance to sleep in. And you yeah. Or like a natural one is so you have two days to do your homework. And instead of doing your homework on both days, you just do it on one. So you don't have your time to watch your new favorite episode of your TV show. Um, so... Ruby, if you were to think about a time when you wanted to increase a behavior, what was the situation? Um, the situation when I wanted to increase one of my behaviors, um, let me think. Well, I was trying to increase the amount of people that I talked to in a day. Um, so that was because I realized that I was being very socially connected, but not through one-on-one -on -one conversations mm -hmm. and online so I would tr whenever I saw one of my friends I would go up to them and I would talk to them more. so the outcome was that you were your goal was mm -hmm. to talk to people more mm -hmm. and the outcome was you did um what were, what were the feelings that went along with that um I felt like proud of myself in a way mm -hmm. because I normally would probably just be like oh hi instead of like starting a full conversation yeah. with them so I felt like proud of myself that I was able to like do that yeah but also um I also felt like accomplished in a way totally because... so you had like that pride and that joy mm -hmm. so it seems like this was a positive experience if mm -hmm. you were to go back again and change the future using the positive enforce reinforcements and the negative reinforcements um what would you change um I would probably say, for example, for every conversation that I started with someone mm -hmm. or for every new person that I met that day, um, maybe I was able to, like, have an extra minute of, like, for every five of those, I was able to have an extra minute of break because that's how I, like, do my homework. I'll do mm -hmm. homework for, like, 20 minutes and I'll take, like, a break. So maybe that could be a positive reinforcement. Yeah, that's awesome. So listeners, if you want to try this, um, take out a sheet of paper. Think about a time when you wanted to increase a behavior. Um, what was the situation? You want to be detailed. You want to think of objectively the facts, the situation, and then write down what the outcome was. What did you feel like? What behaviors happened? And then thinking about your positive and negative reinforcements that we just learned about, what would you change in the future? And what would you do differently? So that was a little intro episode to DBT. It was a little bit long and we've we barely even scratched the surface and I'm I'm really excited. I hope that um, people can learn from these. And if Ruby, if you're open um, to kind of doing the DBT journey and kind of getting to know what it was like, this is what I did at Boston, this is what I did every day, and this is what I learned. So you wanted to try that and just see if you yeah. experienced any changes, that would be awesome. Sure. 
Um, so I'd love for you to join me for another episode, but thank you. Thank you for listening. No problem. Thank you for joining me. Yes, no problem. <laughs> um, so yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Or some sauce. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Now we're going to end. Okay. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends and family. To stay updated on new episodes dropping and bonus content, follow the Nevertheless, She Persisted Instagram at Nevertheless Podcast with SS, the Twitter account at She Persisted underscore SS, the Facebook at Nevertheless, She Persisted Podcast with Sadie Sutton, and check out my blog, Nevertheless, She Persisted Podcast with Sadie Sutton dot photo dot blog. And don't worry, all of these are linked in today's episode notes. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening. P.S. Nevertheless, she persisted.